Good morning. And uh, Dr. Goodluck Okotiebo, thank you so much uh, for, um, first of all, allowing me to uh, visit with you for the past uh, 20-some years now, <laughs> but particularly this past weekend, uh, uh, inviting us to your home and allowing me to stand in this place. Um, this is a position I don't take lightly, uh, and I realize that for um, your being the pastor of this house, allowing somebody else to take the pulpit and share with the lives God has given to you is a big risk. But um, knowing that you believe that the Lord has something in me that is good for the congregation, you took that risk by faith. And um, so I'm humbled to be here. And I, and I want to, on behalf of Kathy, my wife, thank you so much. And um, I will give God the glory this morning. Amen? Amen? So that beautiful lady sitting by, another beautiful lady, but not the one wearing red, it's, um, it's Kathy. She is my wife of 30-some years. And um, we, uh, so we got married September 1990. They got married January 1991. We were competing uh, who we married first. The, the beauty about that relationship then was uh, Pastor Angela's sister was putting the two marriages together. So she was running to make sure Kathy and I's wedding was lining up and her wedding with Pastor Goodlaw was lighted up. So you, you see the connection um, that we've had over the years. This morning, um, I'm going to uh, share on what um, I have called roller coaster. And the good news this morning is the singing... Um, was just a confirmation of, of what God has been telling me to share with us. Um, I am just a regular guy, so I'm, I'm not really a, a preacher. <laughs> um, I, um, God has blessed us with a wonderful medical practice in Georgia, so that's what I do for a living. I'm a doctor. Uh, my wife is a pharmacist, uh, retired now. She's into real estate investment. So I'm not um, a typical um, uh, seminary-trained, Bible college-attended minister, okay? Uh, the other thing I want to tell us this morning is, if you are very careful, you will notice that I have an accent, But I hope that's not the first time you're hearing this kind of accent. <laughs> so I usually encourage my audience uh, to use their remote to switch to my channel so, so they can hear me clearly. You know, you know when you're watching TV and you want to flip to the channels of your choice? Yes. So please flip to the channel of Philip this morning uh, so that you can hear him clearly. But more importantly... Um, um, we, we ask that you switch to the channel of the Holy Spirit. 
because no matter what I say and how I say it, uh, he's going to give you understanding. Amen? Good. Very good. I also um, can get very excited. <laughs> and then I start being very loud. But it's, it's good excitement, though. It's excitement in the Holy Ghost. So bear with me if you, uh, if you see that going on. All right. <clears throat> How many of us have kids that you have taken to Disney World or Disneyland? How many? Very few. Okay. Well, after this service, do me a favor. Since I won't be here on Wednesday or next Sunday, try to explain to the others that have never been to Disney World or Disneyland what a roller coaster looks like. Actually, if, if you have a swing in the back of your house, you can mimic a roller coaster. By the way, I, I don't know who uh, put this on me. I, I thank you so much. Because you see, I told you I was going to be moving all around. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm very excited. So thank you for fitting this um, so that we actually make things easier. Dr. Goodluck was trying to give me the microphone, and, and then he realized I was wired up. I said, no, 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 Philip. Yes, let's keep this down. A roller coaster is... Something like, if you can follow my hand, something that rolls like this. You get to the top, and everybody's screaming, yeah! And then suddenly it comes down. And then they hold their breath, and before they look up, they are back on top again. And then they come down, it just keeps going and going until it stops at the timing that the operator of the roller coaster says it's time to stop. Come out of this roller coaster, letting new people go in to get their ride. Life, ladies and gentlemen, is a roller coaster. Christian life, I suggest to you, is a roller coaster. And what I think we want to share today, for me too, to understand, is how does God enable us to manage this roller coaster of a journey. Because you cannot escape it. You can't fit it. You can't fast your way out of it. You can't pray out of your out of it. The roller coaster is part of humanity. Whether you're saved or you are not saved. When you look at Genesis chapter three thirty seven you look at the story of a young man called Joseph. 37 verse 3 to 7. Uh, you know there's technology here now, so um, I'm, I'm using my phone, okay? Pastor Goodluck, that's okay. This is still the Bible, isn't it? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Genesis chapter 7. Um, Verse 3 to 7. I'm using the Amplified Version. And um, we'll uh, see. Verse 
verse 3. It says, So Joseph, when he was three, 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. The boy was with the sons of Bihar and Zippa, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and made him a multicolored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of his brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have dreamed. We were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep got up and stood upright and remained standing. And behold, your sheep stood all around my sheep and bowed down. This is the first description in my understanding of Joseph's experience of the top of the roller coaster of his life. He's at a mountain. He's at the top where the dad loves him so much. He's the favorite because... He was the son of the old age. And somehow because of that, the dog made a special code for him. That even made it worse. It's one thing to say you are my favorite. It's another thing for me to display it for every other person to see. Making you vulnerable to every kind of attack or hatred. So Joseph is in this space of great accomplishment, of love. Uh, he's in this place of confidence of feeling protected no matter what happens, almost feeling invincible. I can do anything I want to do. I got my father on my side. It's a place of comfort, of reckless abandon. That position actually extended into his dreams of being in authority, an experiential lifestyle that when he went to bed, he saw it happening. It's a mountaintop experience, if you like. That's why I'm excited this morning, because there was one of the songs that said, the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. I, I said, yeah, Lord, you, that's what you want me to talk about today. It's a complete package this morning. But if you go further down to verse 18 of Genesis chapter 37, that same verse, you will see what happened to Joseph. The same Joseph that seemed to be invisible, surrounded with favor. The Bible says, verse 18, and I will read. It says, And when they saw him from a distance, even before he came close to them, <clears throat> they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, look, here comes the dreamer. 
So, the father had sent him to go check out his siblings. The father has sent his favorite son to go find out how his brothers were doing in the field. And that expectation of, I'm the real guy. Dad has given me this job to do. I'm going to go there and tell them, I'm the favorite. Nothing can happen to me. Turned into an experience he never dreamt about. The same siblings that they ate together, they shared together, seeing him from afar, had a plan to kill him. The same Joseph that was everybody's attachment has now become everybody's plan to eliminate. It's one thing to say that what was it we're going to do. If you go further... You will see they actually did it. You know, they ended up not killing him because Reuben, their eldest brother, said, No, I can't take a message back that daddy's son is dead, so let's put him in a pit. And the scripture says that it was a ploy by Reuben to allow them to leave him there, and then he would come back later to take him out of the pit and take him back home. So Reuben left the scene for a few minutes, and by the time he came back, the Ishmaelites were traveling around the road, and the brother said, hey, there's no use to kill this guy. Let's just sell him. And they sold him. And Reuben came back. Joseph was nowhere to be found. They didn't want to tell him that they have sold him, so they killed an animal. And said, so, okay, stand it with his coat. That's what we would tell daddy. When the news came to Jacob, do you think he was excited? No. Was he crying, obviously? Did he stay probably days and nights fearing he would never see his son again? Absolutely. Do you think he was kind to the other brothers? I don't think he was. Do you think he even ate for a day, a week, probably months? I have a feeling he probably didn't. Did you think he came to the point of being suicidal? Maybe. Was he depressed? Possibly. Why? Because I suggest to you that he probably started blaming himself. Why did I make him a coat? Why did I set him up for this that has happened to him? The same dad that is excited about his son... And did these beautiful things for him. Now going through this period of despondency. And regretting and challenging. Why he has done what he thought was right in the first place. I suggest to you my brothers and sisters. He was probably questioning himself. Why did I send him to even visit his brethren? I should have sent one of my servants. To go find out how his brothers were doing. But in spite of all of this questioning, Joseph wasn't there anyway. He was going through a mental, emotional torture of an event he had no control over. And yet, and yet, there was no immediate answer. What about Reuben? 
Reuben probably participated in the blame game. I should have stayed with my youngest brother. I should have taken him immediately back to daddy. I shouldn't have left them for a few minutes. And I am sure you know the end of this story. But stay with me in this space. I am sure for the period of years, Reuben did not forgive himself for not being a responsible brother. What about Joseph? The person in the middle of all of this. Joseph probably would have said, I shouldn't have been wearing this coat. I shouldn't have. It just, it just exposed me. I shouldn't have even shared this dream. God, why did you even give me the dream in the first place? Questions after questions. Which I have participated in that kind of drama too. When, when things don't go the way I thought they would, I, I start questioning myself. Did I commit a sin? Did I forget to pay enough tithes? Did, did I forget to, to take care of that ministry God told me 20 years ago? Did, did I forget? Why am I going through what I'm going through now? Did, did I say something to my mom before she went to be with the Lord that, 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 that is coming back to haunt me? Questions after questions because we have been to the mountaintop and now we're in the valley and suddenly questions come. You would have thought that would be enough, but not enough. Because in Genesis chapter 39, we read that this experiential up and down life for Joseph left the valley after being sold to the Israelites, comes to Potiphar's house, Genesis chapter 39 verse 1. He was experiencing another mountaintop. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, bought him from the Ishmaelites. The Lord, verse 2, note, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful and prosperous man in the house of his master. If you read further, you will see that everything Joseph did was like a Midas touch that Potiphar decided to make him again the head of his household. He had access to everything. God's favor was with him. The valley experience of being in the pit and being sold as a slave suddenly seemed to have disappeared. He was now in a foreign land exalted as a servant, but had everything he could have imagined. God's favor was with him in Egypt. I can suggest to you that Joseph probably forgot about the suffering of the journey, of the hate, and said, oh, this is good after all. This was what God was preparing me for. To put me in a place in a foreign land to bring glory to his name, to take away all the pain I have gone through and the scars. I'm going to enjoy it. God has finally answered my prayers. No, 
It didn't last long, ladies and gentlemen. Because if you read further, in verse 11, the poor guy was doing his own thing. And something happened. Then it happened one day that Joseph went into the house to do his job. And none of the men was there. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his robe. Lie with me. But he left his robe in her hand and ran and got out of the house. In verse 20, Potiphar came back and the wife had lied. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where king's prisoners were confined. You see the roller coaster again? He had just settled into this lifestyle of peace and plenty. All I need to do is just come here, do my job, go away. I'm the head here. Sooner or later, I'm going to start planning to go back to my family and bring my dad and bring my brothers. I mean, this place is good. Mm-mm-mm. He was sent to jail for a crime he did not commit. He was. And, and I asked myself again, was this blame game going on again? Supposedly. Joseph probably asked, I should have not been the best servant in Potiphar's house. I should have just been mediocre. So he wouldn't have picked me out and said, okay, you're so good, I'll put you in top. Because if he didn't pick me out, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't be the head of the servants. I'll just do the minimum. But God's favor is on you. You can't hide goodness and mercy. You can't hide blessing. So there was no way for him to not be who God said he was going to be. Or he would have said, maybe what I should have just done, now that I know, I'll stop praying. Because every time I pray, (laughs) something happens. (laughs) Some good things happen. So I'm going to stop praying because the devil is just going to be after me because it's okay, you always make things happen. I stop serving the God that brought me to this place. Or, if you read, you see the Bible says he was handsome looking. I'm not going to shave. I'm not going to have a shower. I'm not going to be smelling. That way Potiphar's wife will not be attracted. Why? All these questions I suggest may have been going on in his brain in jail. I put this upon myself. I cost this. This is all me, 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 me. What about Potiphar? Potiphar would have suggested, you see, these Hebrews, this is how they are. This is how they are. I will never get a Hebrew slave again. Or even if I get one, I will never make them the head of my household. Suddenly, the happy Potiphar has also become depressed. Sad, questioning his decisions because he's in the valley. He's in the valley, ladies and gentlemen. So you're going to say, okay, Philip, that's the Old Testament. I say, yeah, you're right. The Old Testament. Leave the Old Testament alone. Why don't we go to Matthew? The Gospel of Matthew. And see if there are some uh, examples to um, bring home this point of 
mountain valley experiences to enable us to understand. Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 1, for the sake of time, I am going to paraphrase, okay, so we can come somewhere. When Jesus came down from the mountain, Matthew 8, 1, large crowds followed him, and a leper came upon him and bowed down before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. So, in verse 13 and in verse 14 to 16, you will see the disciples seeing Jesus do the miraculous, heal the sick, demons cast away, even the centurion servant was healed because of the faith of the centurion servant. And this seeing this glory and power of Jesus was so much for them. In one instance, the apostles actually thought, well, this is a good place. This is a good place. Let's, let's, um, why don't we have, um, if you remember the mountain of transfiguration, when, when Jesus gave them a taste of his glory, and they said, this is a good place, let's make three tabernacles. We, we don't have to live here anymore. And as soon as they came down from the mountain, uh, Jesus said, hey, just remember though, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be crucified someday. I'm going to die. And I, and I wonder if the disciples were saying, um, no, you don't know what you said. You know where we just went? <laughs> where we heard God say something loud about you? There is no way that same God is going to allow you to be arrested by men mortals and then you die? What about that glorious thing we saw? But for the disciples... There was no reconciliation between the God that demons were running away from, the Jesus that was healing the sick, the Jesus that fed the 5,000. There was no reconciliation between that Jesus and the Jesus that we was talking about going to Calvary. They could not reconcile the mountaintop experience of the Jesus they know with the cross with his hands stretched out. Of the Jesus. In one instance, you will notice if you walk with me quickly, we are going through stuff now. Matthew chapter 8, 23 to 24, you will see that after this experience, the Bible says the, Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was covered by waves, but Jesus was sleeping. They had just finished an experiential, glorious manifestation of God. And then they are in a boat with waves and storm. They themselves, the disciples, are asking, we are going to die, we are going to drown. And Jesus is in the boat with them. If you agree with me, I'll probably be like them too. Screaming at Jesus, why are you sleeping? Don't you feel what we are feeling? They, they, they forgot the same Jesus that just fed 5,000. 
Men, by the way, because he said, aside from women and children. They forgot the Jesus that just touched Peter's mother-in-law and the Bible says fever left. They forgot the Jesus that demons, that he was just casting out demons and healing the sick. And just because of a wave. And Jesus in them with the boat, panic set in. Even in the presence of Jesus, you can experience some valleys. In Matthew chapter 14, you will read where they went through another storm, but this time Jesus was not with them in the boat. And you wonder, human or divine, doubt and fear is part of our journey. Let's get to Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to share with you how I think we should be able to handle life like this. Life like this. If you look at what I have described so far, I have given you instances where it is humanity that is instigating these up and down swings. Jacob sent Joseph. Joseph went to Egypt. The disciples went to a boat. Jesus fed the 5,000. So you will say, okay, this is what we do to ourselves. It is the failure of humanity or the failure of life on this side of eternity that make us go through this up and down. My brothers and sisters, let me suggest to you in Matthew chapter 3, something blew my mind last week. Verse 13. Matthew 3, verse 13. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to prevent him, saying, It is I who needs to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied and said, Permit it just now. This is fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John baptized him. After Jesus was baptized, verse 16, he came up immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he, John, saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. This are threefold supernatural mountain, super mountain, super heaven, out of this world experience for John the Baptist, for those that were there. For Jesus, it wasn't a big deal really because it was confirming who he was. Okay? It was like, okay, I heard the sound of my father confirming to these people that he loves me. I see the evidence of that confirmation. A dove came down and stayed on him. So everybody knew God the Spirit, as the scripture has said, is manifesting. 
And he said, heavens opened the dwelling place of God Almighty. The three things that any person would have needed to experience who Jesus was and who God was, was there. But, ladies and gentlemen, in chapter 4, verse 1, after this awesome, awe-inspiring experience, read with me if you can, then Jesus, then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, tested, and tried by the devil. Do you see that phrase, the Holy Spirit? Is it in small letter, the S? Is the S little or uppercase S? Is it little or uppercase? What does that tell you? It tells us that God himself subjected his son into the wilderness. The same God that just a few verses earlier said, this is my beloved son. This is him. This is the one I've been telling you about. This is the one that will be saving the world. This is the awesomeness of my creation. He and I are one. That same God says, I'm sending you Jesus to the wilderness. I don't care what I just said about you. I don't care what everybody thinks about what I just displayed. You go into the wilderness. You're going to deal with the devil. I'm going to allow him to deal with you. Ladies and gentlemen, he allowed the devil to deal with his own son for 40 days and 40 nights. What do you think God was going through? The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-in-all God allowed the enemy to mess with his son. Day one, day two, Day three, you know the temptation? What will you as a natural father that has the power and the ability to stop such torture, what will you want to do? You will want to say, no, enough. I have seen enough of this pain. No. I, I, no, devil, don't do it anymore. That would be the natural tendency for a dad to do. That's what I would do. I won't let my son go through anything. I would I I try to replace him. But God held himself back. For 40 days and 40 nights. He chose to allow the same experience that he gave his son. He chose to allow his son to go through the depths of pain and suffering. Even though he had the ability to stop it. Think about that. He heard back. This is different from the crucifixion now. That's a different sermon of his own. This is a time that everyone is expecting this young 30-year-old that have just been made known on CNN and Fox that he's God. And then the next time they heard on the news that he's dealing with issues. 
And this same God is holding back, not allowing his sovereignty, his power to bear. Holding back. I, I suggest it might, it might, it, it, it might it, if it is me, I, I have a feeling that it was tough for God. To, to see his son going through 40 days and 40 nights. I, I want to suggest that to you. That it was tough for him, but he did nothing about it. Because he had a reason for that. He had a purpose. Because at the end, if you go back to verse 11, at the end of this experience of temptation, and Jesus having been beaten up and down, see what happened. Verse 11 then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. Hallelujah. The devil left him after what God had planned was done. The God said, all right, time out. All right, I'm back now. Angels, go meet him. Go take care of him. The valley experiences... Are usually not because you did something right or wrong. Stop questioning yourself when you're there. Stop blaming yourself. Stop, stop figuring out how you got there. The mountain experiences is not that because you are good or bad. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing that qualifies us to get what we get and enjoy what we enjoy. So stop feeling too good about yourself that you have achieved something because you've done so well in church life and in ministry. It's all God-ordained, God-monitored, God-orchestrated. So if you understand that between these extremes, God is there, that you can wait on him. You can trust him. How, no matter how painful it is or how excited it is, you can remain in that space knowing that he got my back. He got my back, ladies and gentlemen. He got my back. Angela, I'm going to sing this song, and I'm sure you all know it. You and Kathy, you probably know it. Something good. Is going to happen to me, happen to you. This very day, something good is going to happen to you. Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Jesus is always on route with you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm running out of time, but let me tell you three things you need to do in this space. Number one, his word. His word is yea and amen. Psalm 1, verse 2 to 3. 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 <laughs> All right, let me go. I was getting spoiled by looking at the screen, so I go at the scriptures now. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 1, the book of Psalms, chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. 
Okay, good. It says the delight and desire of you and I is in the law of the Lord. And on his law we will meditate day and night. Day and night. Go on to verse 3. It says, verse 3 says, This individual shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. Firmly planted. The word gives you that firmness. You don't have to wake up and start looking for the sprinkler system to make sure it's growing. No, the world is a natural sprinkler system for you when you are in the valley of dryness for the water to keep flowing so that your fruit can continue to grow. Stay on his word. Stay on his word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. I think Sister Angela mentioned it already in her prayer time. You have to come to God with boldness. You got to come into his throne and pour out your heart to him. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 121, verse 1 to 8. I look up to the hills from where cometh my help. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't look to your side, you don't look to yourself, you look onto the hills to God Almighty who has put you where you are and is able to sustain you. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 38, I'm closing now. The Bible says, in spite of everything that you will experience in the valley, none is able to separate us from the love of God. No. I'm going to ask us to stand up and, 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 and take some prayer items quickly, if you don't mind. Just some um, prayer items. Uh, just actually one prayer item. Understanding that the roller coaster of our lives is something that inevitably we will walk in. So imagine where you are right now in, in space of time. I am, I am piggybacking on Sister Angela's prayer items earlier. Where are you in this space today? Is, is it a mountaintop experience that you want to give God praise and thanks? Or, or are you in the valley where you are not sure how long you will be there? So as you stay in that space, I, I encourage you right now, now to see the all-powerful God that we have exposed this morning. Uh, telling you, I got this. Uh, stop Stop finding out why and how I got here. Just remember I got this. I, I, I encourage you to see him say that to you this morning. And, and to let you know that you just need to lean on him. And, and just rest on him. And, and then just trust in him. You, you know, when babies are brought into this world, the, the first few days of their life, they are just resting on their mama. Careless reckless abandoned rest in the arms of mom and dad I want you to do that this morning in the arms of God knowing that something good happens to you every day because Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way you can rest on that and so Heavenly Father in your name we come before you this morning in adoration 
and in thanksgiving. We, we pay obeisance before you. We thank you that there is insight into the fact that you love us more than we love ourselves. And that is good enough for us to walk on and to live on. I know that each and every one of us here this morning has a need. Needs that can be spoken and some needs that cannot be spoken. But you know it all. And your faithfulness, we ask that we come to bear on every need this morning. Your faithfulness, oh Father. Father, your faithfulness. Heal the sick, oh Father, in the name of Jesus this morning. Bring restoration to homes in the name of Jesus this morning. Bring jobs in the name of Jesus this morning. Solve conflicts in the name of Jesus this morning. Oh God Almighty, do what you do best, the impossible. Take control and be God indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. message actually speaks to me in a very personal way and I'm sure you're in church you know uh, what I've been dealing with that God is gracious don't seek to understand anything but I know that God is faithful and thank you for praying I know I am in good hands. Amen? And so, there's always joy. No fear. Because I know the God I serve. And He is faithful. Say with me. All things. I am not convinced. All things. All things. How many things? All things. Good or bad. All things work together. They are working for me. All things work together for good to those who love God. And I love God. All things. Walk together, Work together for good to those who love God. So when I lower my voice, you lower your voice? No. You're not confused. Okay. All things walk together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to whose purpose? God's purpose. Amen. It's his purpose, not your purpose. Amen? His purpose. So when you are in the valley, that's part of his purpose. You'll soon come up to the mountaintop. Amen? Amen. Please uh, be seated and get your checkbook out. 
this is uh, the way God has allowed it, according to the scriptures. And Teresa, you want to give me Galatians chapter 6? Galatians chapter 6. I hope it won't take that long before it gets up there. <laughs> okay, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. It says, Let him who is taught the word, how many received from the word this morning? Let him or her who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The worshiper is a sower. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So today, the word has been sown into our hearts. Now it's time for us to sow into the one, the life of the one that God used to minister to us today. Be encouraged. Please be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, if you put your hand in God's hand, His word, that's His hand, His strong arm, He won't fail you. He won't fail you. So, keep your dream. Stay with your dream. Don't let it go. No matter what's going on. I believe God was with Joseph and Joseph was looking to the dream. I don't think he forgot what he saw in his dream. I don't believe Joseph did. But he didn't know how it's going to happen based on the situation while in the valley. But God orchestrated it and brought him back up where he was and greater. That's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you lift up your offering this morning? Father, we thank you for the word that we receive through your servant. A good word sown into our hearts to give us understanding so that we can turn and you will have to heal us from whatever the enemy is doing in our lives. We will be back up on the mountaintop. Thank you. Receive our offering today. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I want to encourage you. Uh, our Wednesday night meetings are really good. If you can be here, watch from home. Uh, I believe God is cooking something. Uh, I believe. You know, the Bible says he prepares the table before us. Uh, who do you think is cooking it? <laughs> God's the one cooking. And uh, there's a lot of good food here. If you can be here, I know we're a busy society. Be at home. For me, I like to be with my Christian brothers and sisters. I think the word is sweeter that way <laughs> when I'm with them. So if you can, be here. If you can't, watch from home. And uh, we got great teachers. And uh, I'm believing God. One day, God's going to use some of our teachers. Uh, I believe there is, we're going to be closing real quickly. But please, always take this to heart. 
I never one day thought I was going to be a pastor. Never did. I just was satisfied doing ministry. And then the night came when God was speaking to me. And the way he speaks, I think I'm getting to understand. He doesn't tell you everything. <laughs> he tells you a little bit to get you anxious. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Give me more. Nothing comes. It's dead silence. And then you have to step out by faith. And okay, I'm going to go out just holding her to his hand because he's spoken. God is going to raise a lot of pastors from this church. I really believe that. I really believe that. And ministers. Uh, I believe that's a calling for me. I have actually worked with people both in Georgia and Nigeria. I had no clue they were going to become pastors and ministers. Just teaching them. I remember I've shared this here before. I called a friend of mine, a pastor, passed away, and his associate called me. And uh, was talking to me about it. I was sad. He said, sir, do you remember me? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm in the United States. You are calling from Nigeria. I don't even know what you look like. And then he said, I was one of those young men in your Bible study when you came home. That you were teaching. I'm now the associate pastor. I don't know if he became the pastor after that. And I have a pastor that has helped to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Georgia. He's still an associate pastor today. And I believe, and there are many of them. When I go to Nigeria, I see them where they're telling me, you did this. I can't even remember. I believe it's in his place. Amen? And God's going to be calling people out. Uh, you won't be in doubt because you will know he's calling you out. Amen? Stand up with me. We're going to close tonight now. Oh, Lord. It's been such a blessing to have Philip and Kathy with us, even in our home. And I thank you that you've also blessed your people with their ministry today. Father, we are grateful. We received the word. And we know the word will bear fruit. Because you have planted us at rivers of water through your word. Go with your people today. Bless those who are worship, worshiping and, and listening online. And bless those who are here today. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here today, this is just coming. I can't get away from it. If you're here today, what I'm saying right now is for you. All heads bowed. This is serious. This is really serious. God's calling somebody home today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or you came to him sometime and you've gone back. And you want to renew. He saw your heart. And he's wanting you to come back home. So if you're here this morning and you want to dedicate your life. Not to the church, but to him. He's going to receive you this morning. So if you're here today, 
And you say, look, I really want to get to know God better. I want to know my God. You're here today and you want that. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God will hear your prayer, my prayer. And something is new. Something is going to happen to your life today. All heads bowed, or eyes closed. If you're here, at the count of three, would you put your hand quickly up? Put it back down. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, everyone pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Lord, I believe in my heart that you are the Savior. Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, my Lord. And I believe you rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We dismiss.